Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. Welcome to another podcast in the series of FinTalks from Finance Malta. Ruben Abella is the Chief Revenue Officer of Andaria. So maybe you can start by explaining to us a little bit about what Andaria is. We all know that the traditional banking model has left a lot of people by the wayside and you're a payment services company. So what exactly do you do? Uh, hi, Vanessa and all the listeners. Thank you. Thank you for this invite. Um, Andaria was, was actually set up a few years back with the intent of, of being an inclusive payment services company, right? And inclusive is a word that's thrown around a lot these days. However, having it set up way back with already in mind what we want to do today is, is was a precursor and is a precursor to everything that we do, right? Um, we look at payment services or the financial services industry as something that should be available for everyone, right? So. Uh, whatever we build, whatever we do, whatever product we issue out there, whatever uh, marketing message we, we, we deliver, we always keep in mind that our services need to provide financial inclusion, both for businesses, both for consumers, whatever it's going to be, right? Um, uh, and we can expand, and I'm sure we'll expand a bit more on, on this financial inclusion piece. However, at the back of everything we do, there's always this, right? Andaya um, uh, has been around for a few years now, um, three or four years practically, but has only recently gone to market around a year ago, uh, and with good reason, right? So the first two years of, of our institution were spent building um, uh, a robust regulatory risk and compliance structure, good transaction monitoring, um, good uh, KYC practices, and everything that is auxiliary to the payment service per se, right? So whilst we think of, we always talk about SEPA, SWIFT, transfer, all these, these payment rails, we rarely talk about everything that happens in the back, right? And we did it the other way around. We built everything that the modern day business, the modern day consumer needs at the back, so that whenever they do a transaction, they feel secure. Right, and I think this element of security and um, making this kind of technology available for everyone is what we're all about. In fact, one of the things which I think is very important is banks, because of the regulatory pressure on KYC and so on, are actually quite reluctant to onboard new clients and clients are finding it's actually so expensive to do. So are payment services providers avoiding this in some way or are they just as robust when it comes to anti-money laundering tax evasion all of these things i would say we're even more robust right because because you offer digital onboarding for example so you know everybody seems to think that just means filling in a form and you're in i i think it's it's a very good point right um uh, we've been accustomed to traditional banks doing it in a very particular way for inception since inception Right, so they have been um, asking for documents in a certain way. There's a lot of paper-based material that needs to be provided. There's a lot of documentation that needs to be provided in physical form. Um, as a digital provider, there is no way this can fly. Right, we are uh, our world is, is is the online space. Right, and why is we cater for every type of business? 
we encourage everyone to shift over to us. And that means we needed something digital. And that's, that doesn't mean that digital onboarding is less robust than the physical onboarding. More so, we can put in much more checks than the, um, the actual physical one. Because once there are people that actively have a look, the number of checks that you can automate in a digital onboarding are unlimited, basically, right? So today there is, there is a, a myriad of options, right? So uh, from KYC providers to document scanning to IDVA, so there's the whole lot which you can um, pick and mix into your onboarding system. And what we've done at Andaya is handpick our providers in order to make, first of all, our business onboarding as seamless as possible which traditionally has been much more daunting than the consumer onboarding, right? So onboarding a business client, if you have to go to a traditional bank, it would take, unfortunately, months. With us, it can take as little as 48 hours, right? So we've handpicked these services that complement our offering in order to make it a fully digital onboarding, most of the time fully automated. So if the business has everything in order, um, they just fly through the process without any human intervention. In fact, one of the things which I found quite interesting is uh, that you actually got your licenses both from the FCA in the UK and the MFSA in Malta at the same time. Um, you didn't start up in Malta and expand to England or the other way around. Um, this was obviously part of the whole strategy. It was. Uh, we, we see both Not markets. because you're in and out of the EU or <laughs> also a bit? No, we, uh, first of all, Europe is, is, is our home, right? And uh, we run all operations from, from our Malta office. Um, but you offer 20 currencies. I mean, it's not like you're limited to, <laughs> to Europe. <laughs> I think now it's 28 currencies at this point in time. Um, and we're continuously adding, but that's, that's another story. Um, yes, we did, we did uh, want to go for dual licensing in both jurisdictions, primarily because the markets are so intertwined together, right, that it, would have been, um, it wouldn't have been a complete offering for our clients in Europe and for our clients in the UK. Right? Especially so, since you have people who are operating in both. Most of our clients exactly. operate in both. More than one country. Um, and whilst we provide access to 190 plus countries in terms of, of payment rails, um, I think the synergies between um, the UK and Europe need to be there, right? You, you need to kind of cater for both. Today, Maltese businesses have a lot of interaction with the rest of Europe, but also the UK. Cutting them off would mean that um, the service would remain localized, and that's what we're, not what we're trying to do, right? I go back to the financial inclusion piece, right? Financial inclusion also means that we allow the local business to have access to as many possibilities um, as the market can offer, or as we can offer, to go international, right? And our UK license helps the local business also take a step into that, into that market. This is super important, this idea of uh, financial inclusion, because we've been following, uh, even in social media, on the media and so on, people complaining about the, the time it takes to get you know, started, etc. Is there such a demand for new companies? And are we talking about large companies, uh, startups, international companies we've already mentioned? The demand is there from practically every company size, right? So we get the, uh, 
the odd guy knocking at our door wanting to start up a business but not having any knowledge on how to uh, do any of the banking side, right? So we also offer help there in, in kind of steering them in the right path. And if we can't do it, we, we'd prefer them. Um, but we also get large corporates, right? And that is um, a very widespread scale of, of payment options you need to provide and technology you need to provide. What uh, the startup needs on day one is not the same that a large corporate would need, right? And, and sometimes um, we think that uh, one technology can work for everyone. At Andai, we think of it a little bit of, of a different way, right? We need to be mindful of every business business case. And whilst there is a base offering, we try and make it as bespoke as possible. But to answer your question, we get all kinds of businesses, micro-enterprises, small startups, SMEs, and even large corporates. So we're talking about now the, basically, I think you'd like to be thought of as a disruptor, no? Um, but the whole point about disruption is that you are nimble and you are quick. In fact, uh, one of the things I will ask you later on is what, you, what you've got coming up next, because you've been hinting on your website about this. But if, you know, uh, you've got a banking system which is slow and inefficient, does this actually have an impact on the jurisdiction? I think if your banking system is slow, it has an impact on everything that you do, right? So today, operation, I mean, the world has evolved in a way that um, everything is instant, everything is on demand, and whilst technology platforms out there, so business out there, have evolved in that way, traditional business banking hasn't evolved in the same way. So we see platforms that are um, fast on everything, right, on their offering. However, on the payment side, they're still lagging behind because the, the, the ranking provider is offering perhaps limited technology, perhaps uh, limited depth of, of uh, tech assistance. So they just integrate the very basic. But you're never going to replace banks. I, I don't think the intent is. To that is never the, right? the intention. They do money. certain things extremely well. Absolutely. And we need to remember that EMIs like us rely on traditional banks as well, right? On, on, on our corresponding banking partners. So we appreciate fully the importance of the banking network and the history that it comes with. I think we are a disruptor, but we're also a complementary to them, right? And I think that's the way the industry needs to. We need to look at us as, as, as EMIs and, and PSPs, right? Um, uh, we are actually getting what the banks have built throughout the years and perhaps investing the time, energy and money and technology to make it more accessible for everyone else. One of the points about um, the disruption is not only like the providers, but also the industry itself, I mean, apart from startups and so on, we now have things which we never even dreamt of a few years ago, like the gig economy and so on. So from the side of, you know, the clients paying each other, have things actually changed? Um, long ago, we used to have letters of credit, which used to be opened through changes of commerce. That's hardly the case anymore, is it? I, I think it's, uh, it's all coming from the fast based environment we now live in, right? So, as I mentioned before, if everything around you is moving at light speed, you expect money movement to be light speed as well, right? And I think um, whilst 
all of us in, in, the, uh, in the fintech industry are trying to make this as seamless and as fast as possible. Um, I think we're always playing catch up to the rest of the technology most of the time. Um, uh, so we are getting close. I think the technology is now providing for better access to financing, better access to immediate payments, cross-border payments that don't cost a leg and an arm. And, uh, but there's still a long way. I think we're, we're still at, at the tip of the iceberg of what actually you can do with, with uh, the regulation as is and how we build that into technology that is useful for both businesses and consumers. You mentioned the magic word costs and prices and so on. How do they compare and is there enough competition to actually make this a viable sphere for, for, for Malta? As an island, I think we are on the right path in the sense that um, the regulator is helping in, 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 in attracting um, both businesses from abroad but also incentivizing the local business um, to actually go into this market. The market is big for everyone, that's what you always say, right? There is no real me versus you in our space. There's always an element of uh, camaraderie, if you will. Um, because what we're building is not necessarily what someone else is building. And how we build it, more importantly, is not necessarily how someone else would build it. And the way we build it might appeal to a certain class of business, while someone else's building might appeal to someone else. And look, the business cases are unlimited. Every business out there has their own story. And I think that's, that's what we as Andaria believe, right? So we build based on the business's story. And I'm sure everyone else in the industry is doing the same, right? Based on their use case and how they see the industry shaping. Um, uh, is there an element of cost? Like every other business, obviously, we look at, at cost, right? And we're always trying to reduce the point of entry and the point of um, uh, or running costs for our clients. However, it is more about building the right kind of technology for that business and the right infrastructure rather than just nagging at cost. We don't want this to become a price war, right? And I don't think any of our, of our friends in the industry want this to become such. It's interesting though, because uh, when I was going through your website, I, I imagine that a lot of companies would be quite reluctant and so on, but you've actually got a very clear um, price module, if you like, explaining to people what the fees would be and so on. And then you also offer people the opportunity to try it out. What is what's that all about? I think um, with, with the mantra of inclusion, we cannot be, be hiding anything, right? We need to be very open about what we do and which we are. Um, first of all, our pricing is, is straight up, so for anyone to see. Um, and we've done that consciously so that every business can take a conscious decision if this is for them or not, right? Um, not go into the whole process of speaking tech and doing a lot of meetings and saying, oh, the cost is prohibited. So um, that's, that's our starting point. We've also recently launched a sandbox. And we've done that to allow businesses, both locally and, and, and in, uh, in Europe and the UK, to first try out, right? We believe that technology should be shared. Um, it's not something that we want to hog, it's not something that, that yes, it's ours, but um, we believe that, that everyone should have a chance to try it out first before committing to, to uh, it's, it's kind of a bit of a, what do you say, I don't want to, to, to make it sound too, too, uh, too complex, but 
it's trying out before getting into bed with someone, right? And this is this is the way we like to look at it. So our APIs are fully um, public. There, anyone who wants to try the sandbox can go in um, on Andai and log in and get an account, um, play around with the technology. It's an exact replica of what they would get in the live environment so that they can get the confidence that what we're offering at least is what they're looking for. What a wonderful idea. Okay. Um, as I said, when I was looking on your website and uh, reading articles, etc., there was a lot of hinting about what's coming in the future. Are you able to tell me anything about where you'd like to go next? I think naturally the next step for us is, and we, we've started slightly to talk about it, but not to the extent that, that uh, we've fully gone public, is, is the element of embedded finance, right? Um, and embedded finance for us is a natural progression for the industry we're in, but also our clients and our prospects, right? So um, to just briefly touch upon what embedded finance is for us, it's, it's basically the ability of uh, or for a non-financial institution, so practically any other business that is not um, in the financial space, to integrate onto their own platform um, the ability to do financial or to offer financial services to their clients, right? Which is which becomes a really really strong proposition, and that's where businesses can take full control of. Um, the payment ecosystem they're in and start offering the clients, their clients, an experience that is inclusive, not just um, with their product and services, but also on the payment side. So how they pay and how they interact with, with their businesses. Great. Well, thank you very much for explaining all that to us. We've also got a lot there that we can uh, think about, especially this whole idea of financial inclusion and how it may actually limit growth unless we actually take this take the plunge into this new world. Thank you very much, Ruben. Thank you, Vanessa. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.